Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 230 and this episode is with lead women's first team and academy S&C coach at Malmo FF, Jared Wallace. Jared's episode comes off the back of speaking with a number of practitioners over at Malmo. Both Mark Reed and Jamie McKay have both previously been on the podcast. So it was great to catch up with Jared as well. If you, I'm actually going to put the links for the podcasts. We did two podcasts with Mark and one with Jamie as well. I'm going to put the links for those in the show notes. So you can go and check those out because I think between all four podcasts, we've covered such a range of what is going on out there at Malmo, some of the amazing work being done by all the guys out there and all the staff. So it gives you a really good insight into both the men's side, the women's side and the academy Um So make sure you go and check out those episodes as well as this one. On Jared's episode, we talk about being an English coach overseas, some of the challenges that he faces. We talk about the language barrier. So he goes into detail on his experiences around dealing with players that speak a different language. We talk about some of his tips of getting into the industry. And then we go deep on the actual project over there, the the women's team project. So what the actual vision is for the team. He gives a great insight into that. We talk about what's worked, what's not worked, and also what's next. What are the next plans and the future for the project out there? I'm sure you're going to enjoy this episode. For anyone that's working in academy football, even semi-professional football, right up to first team level, you're going to take absolutely loads away from this one because of the range of topics that Jared covers. So make sure you get your pen and paper ready and get ready to to take plenty of um things away that you can apply to your day-to-day and your practice. Just before we get into the episode, I've just got to say a massive thank you because I've had so many great messages from people about last week's episode with Tony Strudwick. People messaging just about the podcast in general, but also the episode in the chat with Tony saying that how much they actually took away from it. I'm sure people have heard Tony speak before. Um, If you haven't, I do recommend to go and look up some of the other podcasts that he's done and some of the presentations that he gave, because every time I hear him speak, I take loads from him. He's somebody that obviously has got a wealth of experience, but also puts himself out there. He speaks about things. He's not afraid to actually speak about some experiences that he's had. And I think that's massive benefit to the industry. So just wanted to say a big thank you to everyone that's reached out as well. And just tying that in, if you could please leave us a review as well. I always ask for reviews. The reviews are growing. We've got a short-term target of hitting 100 reviews over on Apple Podcasts. I think we're at 80-odd at the moment. So if you could help us out by going over onto the podcast, leaving us a review. If you listen on Spotify, which I know a lot of you do, just click the five stars. Um, If you listen over on Apple, click the five stars and leave us a short comment. I really would appreciate it. And also, like every episode, please give it a share with people. If there's people within your team, within your club that you know will benefit, send it out to them, send them the link. We also did a YouTube special for the the episode with Tony as well. So if you do normally listen to the podcast, go and check out the the YouTube as well. I will just say on that, because a few people have got a little bit confused, it is the same interview, it is the same chat, but obviously you can see see him speaking in person. Um, So go and check that out as well. We do have a networking event coming very soon. So on Thursday the 6th of April, we're going to be over at the National Games Development Centre in Dublin. I'm really excited for this event. It's the first event over in Ireland. We've had a few tickets go already, but there are plenty of tickets left. So if you are either based over in Dublin or based over in Ireland and you want to come and network with other coaches, other practitioners, as well as seeing the Director of Coaching and Performance at Satanta College, Des Ryan, and the men's team, um, national team sports scientists at the Scottish FA, Shane Murphy, both present. Then make sure you go to footballfitfed.com, click the shop tab, and you'll be able to see tickets for that event still available. As the podcast goes out, the early bird offer is still on those tickets. But as we get closer to the event, it will go to full price. So if you're interested in coming, I do urge you to act now and you will get the slightly cheaper tickets. And also just on that, community members, if anyone's a member of our online community, you can get further discount on those tickets as well. So just go onto the community and the network meeting news tab and you'll be able to see the discount code over there. 
I want to say a big thank you to our sponsors. First of all, Hytro. Have you ever tried blood flow restriction training? For pro sport teams and athletes, Hytro is the only performance BFR brand to create pressure validated BFR wearables that are practical, safe and scalable, allowing you to enhance the recovery and maximize athletic potential like never before. So whether in the changing room post-game, during away game travel, in the hotel or at home, Hydro has created a simple and effective tool that allows BFR to be delivered to athletes and squads simultaneously and safely. Make sure to go and check them out at hydro.com, that's H-Y-T-R-O.com, or you can email teamsales at hydro.com to find out how Hydro BFR can give your squad a competitive edge. And also make sure that you go and check out our other sponsors, Rezzle, doing some incredible work in professional sport and professional football with their VR system. And if you've been to any of our recent networking events, I'm sure you've had a go on the headset as well. And they will be at some of our future events too. So go and check out Rezzle at Rezzle or Rezzle.com. Big thank you to our sponsors. And let's get into episode 230 with Jared Wallace. Rezzle is the world's number one virtual reality sports trainer. Whatever your team, your sport, your ability, improve your game and train like a pro. Reactions, performance, accuracy, stamina, resilience. Train at home in the Rezzle Sports and Fitness VR Training Arena. Search Rezzle, R-E-Z-Z-I-L. The world's number one virtual reality sports trainer. Available now on MetaQuest. Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 230. I'm delighted to be joined on the podcast today by Jared Wallace. Jared is the first team and academy women's SNC coach at Malmo. So Jared, thank you for coming on. No, pleasure. The pleasure is all uh, mine. Thank you so much. Um, I'll continue the Malmo FF trend with the uh, previous two. You will, you will. I was just about to mention that because I had to go back and double check. We've obviously had Jamie on most recently. And also yeah. Mark's in a couple of episodes for us. So we'll probably, we'll put these in the show notes for people to go and catch up because you get the full spectrum of Malmo practitioners and yeah. British Malmo practitioners as well. So you yeah. fly the flag out there. <laughs> yeah, there's, so you'd have, you'd have three out of the four. There's just one of us left, uh, the lead academy SNC. But no, we'll continue the trend over here in Sweden to give everybody a taste of what it's like. Brilliant, mate. Well, we'll get into that, but let's start on your journey. So can you take us back to what what's happened so far? What's led up to the rollover at Malmo? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was like every, I guess, pre-undergraduate, uh, um, you know, student at the time is a I've I've had a strong sport background when I was when I was younger. Like I've always been quite active. And I remember coming to choose like a levels in university and like talking to my PE teacher, like, what shall I do? Like I originally was always going to be a, like a PE teacher. And then it wasn't until like a, it was a student teacher said, have you thought about doing sports science? Um, it's a quite broad subject. You'll know the like anatomy and physiology and all of that side from your A level PE. Um, but you'll learn some new stuff and it opens doors that you might not know. So yeah, there's three years at, um, University of Bedfordshire Sport and Exercise Science. Um, alongside that, I was doing some tennis coaching as well. Um, and I thought oh, this is a good way to get also, you know, real life coaching uh, experience alongside the degree. So I was kind of starting my coaching pathway without really like realizing at the time um, that I was eventually going to end up where I am today. Um, so yeah, I did the three, the three, the three years there. I came out of that uh, degree and I naively thought I'm a sports scientist now. I it. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go professional football. Uh, that wasn't the case. Um, you look at the job adverts and you see like three to five years experience, accreditation, um, like first aid, CPR. And I was like, right, OK, there's a lot of things I need to do. Um, and I reached out to loads of clubs, the traditional way, email. Do you need any like intern work, et cetera? Um, and I was lucky enough to start Peterborough United, um, which isn't too far away from where I'm from. I live, uh, I lived in Leicester. So for me, it was an hour commute. Um, and I predominantly took the under 15s uh, through their sports science and SNC practice. Um, 
And if I'm honest, at the time, like I thought, yeah, okay, it's great. I take warm ups and this is really good in professional football. Um, but it wasn't until I took into the gym work and I had to start uh, doing the programming and periodizing their weeks and their training loads and looking at all of that aspect where I thought, this is a weakness here. What is it I can do? Um, so I was there for six months and then I decided I need to go and do a master's degree. And I decided to do that up in Leeds, um, at Leeds Beckett uh, in strength and conditioning. And again, uh, it was a really full on year, but I took it upon myself to again, network out. And I worked at Bradford city alongside uh, my studies at Leeds. Um, and I would say that this Bradford city experience um, for the listeners is if you are in a position where you, you can associate yourself with a lecturer who's in at a professional club, whether that be any sport, um, anything can happen. And what happened in my situation is my lecturer actually left the football club. Um, his contract didn't get renewed. And I remember the, uh, academy manager turned around to me and said well Jared you've been here like three or four months so you just want to leave the youth team and I was like what do you mean lead the youth team I'm just a master's student um so I actually took it on and I was leading like the under 18s um in like a full-time role uh obviously it, it wasn't paid but uh it was fantastic um really good club really good culture learning wise um, went on some really good experiences, went up to like Man City with the under 18s and we, you know, played a game against them. So I, I was getting all these experiences along and I was like, okay, I'm starting to build up my CV. Um, and then I flew the nest and went over to Australia. Really, really different experience there. Um, to Bradford though, right? From Bradford, sunny Bradford, all the way over to Australia. I mean, you can't get further apart. Um, but yeah, and my my whole, I guess, idea and philosophy with the Australia experience was, one, new culture. Two, um, can I see what the S&C practice and industry is like over there? And three, can I really test myself in a new environment, whatever experiences I can get? Um, and it's... Australia very it surprised me a lot as to where they are in terms of uh, their sports science and SNC. Like they are slowly starting to rise, uh, and I developed some really good network and contacts again through uh, lecturers, um, some people who I just can communicate through online who have set up their own practices. So I kind of had uh, contacts ready for me to go into work. And the big thing over there is they're quite big on like high performance centers. Something that I, I think the UK will eventually get into is having these centers spotted around where, you know, a real pool of athletes can go in and work outside of their, you know, club or individual sessions. So I went in there and I was just leading SNC sessions. Uh, my main one was I designed like a junior program where, you know, a whole wide of athletes came in, uh, swimmers. Uh, AFL players so I had to know what Aussie rules was I still don't know what Aussie rules is <laughs> um, you name it I was like yeah okay sounds good but uh, track and field uh, everything rugby union rugby league so all these players came into me um, and I led the program there um, which was great uh, obviously being an English coach at the time the ashes were being played so you can imagine I was getting quite a bit of bashing of being a pommy. And I was like, right, okay, no cricket talk, back to the SNC. Um, so, you know, having that kind of experience, still quite young in, in my 20s, um, was still setting me on this path uh, where, where I wanted to be. Um, I came back to the UK and then uh, my, I went back into football and I ended up at Notts County. Um, so I was a lead academy SNC coach there at Notts County. Um, you know, re really, really good experience. Nothing but respect for that football club. Um, in the National League, pushing for a promotion. Uh, hopefully they will get it this year against Wrexham, um, Touchwood. But, you know, going in there, limited resources, um, looking after an academy of 120 kids, working with um, Phil Rippon, the physio there. We had a really good relationship. And, you know, broadcasting our our philosophy to the coaches, uh, to the board as to how we can improve the whole sports science support. Um, and it was really 
it was a really enjoyable experience. A lot, a lot of hard work, but I wouldn't change it um, for the world uh, because it really it opens your eyes as to what you can achieve when you do have that limited pool as a coach and you have to get really creative. Whereas now I'm over here in Malmö, Sweden, Swedish champions, you know, unlimited resources in a way. Um, and your mindset changes like, okay, I can, I can do whatever I want. Um, but I always take into account that I've been there at the hard end. Um, so yeah, here in Malmö now we're, I'm, I have a split role. I look after the lower academy, so the under-14s and under-16s. I have an intern who helps me with that. And then, as you said earlier, you know, I look after the women's first team, um, similar role to Mark in terms of that. I uh, oversee that. And then um, sometimes I help uh, with the, the girls' academy side as well um, if I get questions asked. So it's quite a, a, a big jump from going from National League to Swedish football. And you could say, stereotypically, that's you wouldn't really make that big jump. And I'm very fortunate for that jump. And all my previous experiences, I would say, have got me to where I am. Just back to the Australia move. Yeah. Was that, in terms of timescale to start with, how long were you over there for? So I was over there for just under, like, one and a half years, maybe. Just okay. over just under two years. Um, so was was that always the plan to go over, get the experience, then come back, or was it just go and and see? Bit of both. Um, I remember when I was probably around like fifteen, sixteen. If you ask my family, I always said that I want to go to Australia. I want to go. I want to. I want to live there. I want to experience it. Um, I finished my master's degree, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go. Um, I've got an opportunity to go. Uh, let's see what it's like. You know, at the end of the day, we don't like it. I can fly back home. Um, but you know, it, it was it was a really good decision for my career to to go and experience something abroad. And um, when I've had job interviews in the past, that's something that always I get asked: is Oh, we can see you've worked in Australia. Yeah. So having that overseas experience as a practitioner might stand you out when you go for these jobs where you know thousands of new graduates are applying what's that one thing you can stand out from um oh he spent time in australia he he could that means he's he can go somewhere by himself he can set he can settle in he can get on with it he can network you know and, and provide yeah it's that commitment isn't it because it's a it's a big big change a big move so that definitely will stand out you've you've sort of referenced obviously the athletes you've worked with over there with which are different to a point of what you were working with over in the UK and what who you work with now. But with all those sports and those athletes and obviously the Australian way of working as well, what were some of the biggest things that you've brought back and that, that maybe that you use day to day now? Yeah. Uh, I mean, at first, it, I remember one of the centres I worked down in Adelaide, I was working with AFL draft picks. So these are like, the uh, the next group of athletes that are going to push to become professional Aussie rule players. And at first, as a young practitioner, you're quite daunted by that. You think, is this guy like famous or is he quite high, highly ranked in Australia? So having that no fear factor of working with someone who is very successful in their sport is something I had to learn very quickly. Um, there was uh, the, the North Queensland Cowboys in the NRL they used to come and train at our gym and you're a bit starstruck. But when they came to ask me, like, can you help me with this exercise or assist? I was like, okay, I need to go in and have that mindset where I can help instead of being, uh, Oh, I, I think it's this way. I'm not sure. So taking those life experiences as well, I networked with quite a few like coaches and practitioners. So I tried to pick their minds. Like could, for example, like what would you do for a warm up? Because obviously I have this, you have the generic idea of a warm up of to raise the heart rate, get the muscles warm, stretch dynamics. But like, what exercises do you do? Um, a big passion of mine is because I have a tennis uh, playing and coaching background. Was I love plyometrics and I love Olympic weightlifting in terms of the, the training side. So I took it by myself to learn that, um, and you know, getting coached into that and then putting that into practice as well is something that I brought back into. Um, my work into the UK. So three small things, which actually played a big part. 
I would say is a, as a, as a takeaway. Um, and actually, like from an individual perspective, I grew so much, so much as a person as well. Um, I was quite, not to say I'm quite shy or introverted, but I kind of just go along things where I was on the other side of the world and I had to get on with, uh, with work, with like trying to develop. Um, and I came back and a lot more confident in what I do and, and what I believe in, if that is in terms of like my coaching practice as well. Um, so yeah, it was a whole learning experience, not just to go travel to see some sun and some nice beaches. It was more an individual um, pathway kind of thing. It all forms your philosophy though, doesn't it? Like your approach and your philosophy. And I'm sure that's constantly changing as, as you work in the role that you do now but those experiences like you say we come out of degrees and masters with similar sort of ed education don't we it's what we stack on top of that and yep. what you've covered there is some of the reasons why I'm sure you operate the way you do now is because of the experiences you've had and I think that's really important absolutely like a big thing as well is for any of like the S&C practitioners that that listen or watch this is you'll often get asked what is your coaching philosophy and you know i came out of my masters i probably wouldn't tell you what mine was i wouldn't i didn't know what my area of expertise or what i believed or was passionate about i knew that i liked tennis i knew i played tennis and i was like how would i train for that well plyometrics is going to probably be the best way and all that change of direction work that comes with that so i was like okay so that can be formed part of my philosophy and then i found into the olympic weightlifting and the benefits all of that brought and that forms my philosophy as well so I was like, okay, I can take those two things. And then when I went into Notts County, it's like, okay, I'm now responsible for this whole age group going all the way up to the top. How can I implement what I want to get across? And like, you know, like you think about, you know, build the fundamental movement skills, get them in speed, acceleration, coordination, agility, everything that forms that whole uh, movement profile and then broadcasting that across. I don't think I would have been able to have done that if I didn't go and work in Australia and develop as a coach. Yeah, 100%. Apart from the bashing you get or got about the Ashes, yes. how's it been being uh, an English coach abroad? Obviously, currently now as well, over in Sweden. Yeah. Um, Australia is basically like the UK. So, you know, it, it's fine. You just fit into society and you kind of get on with it. Sweden uh well language barrier number one is is something i initially uh thought i'd struggle with a lot um but you know they they talk people speak english here anyway so that's not too much of an issue <laughs> how's my swedish going very little um <laughs> and if i say just to call mark out so by this time we said it's been over a year now since his previous podcast is mark reed now fluent Mark Reed, I would say, is forty percent fluent when he wants to be. <laughs> <laughs> He'll probably hate me for that, but I have heard him speak fluent Swedish. And I'm like, okay, uh, you've been here a while now, Mark. Um, but mine is very, very basic. So, but I would say I'm a lot better at maybe listening and understanding that way um, what what the coaches try and talk about. But. Um, yeah, of course. That that was the main worry um, when I when I accepted my role here at Malmo. Is okay. It's, it's a language barrier. How's that going to work? Um, but you know, everyone speaks English, which is great. So the communication with uh, the staff, the coaches, whoever it needs to be, um, you can you can communicate and get that across. Um, I'd say one of the hardest things would be as being a British coach especially now in Europe, that's been a, a bit of a nightmare in terms of you have to jump through more hoops than, it, than Mark would have to have done uh, all those years ago. But, you know, having the support of the football club um, helps you make, you know, makes things easier instead of you doing it by yourself. Um, but one thing I really am enjoying about uh, Sweden is it's just the lifestyle and the culture here is... Um, it's, it's more suited to me i'd say it's you know it people just work and then have the weekend is like if you're not working the weekend it's, that's your time off that's your lifestyle so the work-life balance um is very very good and i remember 
Mark, when he interviewed me, he said that was one of the things that he stood out. It's like the work-life balance over here in Sweden is very good and um, and it helps you have a better quality of life. And I would agree that my best my quality of life since I have moved over here um, has been so much better. Um, and as Sweden as a whole is definitely outweighed what I had as perception of it because I'd never been to Sweden before I accepted my role. Yeah, um, I was going in blind. Um, but it it it's definitely like a, a the best decision I've made. Just a couple of things on that. I know we were joking about about the yeah. language, but in your experience, how much of like because this will relate to a lot of people in, in different countries that maybe are going to work in different countries. How much of a language do we actually need to know, speak, understand? Do you think in, in your experience when you're working with players? Um, if we talk from a player perspective is like, um, that's a really good point. I remember delivering my first like athletic development session and thinking how the boy is going to perceive me and how do I perceive onto them? So I've got to be really clear in my coaching cues as to what I'm going to, what I want them to do. So if I'd say if the language barrier is an issue or it, or you can get away with certain things. The big thing I found was just to demo everything to start with. Demo, 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 demo. That way then the boys will know, for example, what a lunge is. If I just say the word lunge, they might be going, what's that? If I show them what it, the demo of the exercise, hands on hips, oh, I know what that is. Yeah. Um, then it all comes like a repetitive pattern. Um, and that's the same for both sides. Like, you know, especially into this, the women's first team role, that's a completely different environment to what the academy side is. So having to go into there and um, I remember delivering a prehab session like on my first week and like I, I have a name for an exercise which they probably don't know or they have some, something completely else and it's finding that meeting in the middle. Oh, okay, that's what you meant. Yeah, perfect. So every time now, they it's just routine-wise. Um, communication with the coaches. Uh, you know, if you can visually present, let's say, your um, weekly training load model in like a graph as to what how you want to uh, manipulate the loads, that might be a way. Um, or, you know, being clear as you say, okay, this session's red, this one's uh, orange, and this one's green. Um, just some examples off the top of my head head um as as a way to bridge that gap i don't think with i've never really had too much of a problem if it is normally let's say i i'm speaking to something um like one of the boys will speak to the other boys oh what does what's he saying in english and so so there is ways around that you can get around uh if you do struggle no that's, that's a great point the other thing i was going to ask is around that work-life balance yeah. Because that's a battle for everyone, I suppose, isn't it? In all different roles. But where do you see the biggest difference? You said about in Sweden, like if it's your weekend off, you're off. Does that just mean that when you step away from the club, there's sort of no contact, no involvement until you're back in? Or what's what's the big difference you see to like yeah. the UK? Um, I'd say in the UK, uh, like I felt like I never stopped working. That might have been down to my role at Notts County and, you know, it's all responsible on me. Um, but here, at, like especially at Malmo, we, you know, if you have a game on the weekend on the Saturday, let's say it was a eleven thirty kickoff and you finish by one, that's it. Then you got like the weekend off, and I, 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 I respect the interns' weekends. For example, I don't bother them unless it's an emergency regarding work and they need to contact me. Um, and it's just a nice way to just unwind um, and recharge before Monday comes around again. Mm -hmm. uh, you know. At, I guess you know in football, as you can imagine, the the week Monday to Friday is pretty full on in preparation for the game on the weekend. So having a day and a half either side just to you know unwind and settle um, is a big big benefit. You know I've been there where you, I've been burnt out because I'm just I'm doing work at home, and that's never been a good thing. Like you know I'll, if I have to stay half an hour later. Or an hour later here in, in the office to download the GPS data so I don't have to do it the next day or etc. I'll I'll do that because I'm you know I've put that in, in practice. Um yeah, and I always encourage the interns if they have a day off in the week, let's say it's a Wednesday, you know, 
go and see Malmo, go to Copenhagen, just go and enjoy it, experience Sweden instead of just experience, you know, the office. Um, and that's something from uh, what we believe is when they come over is one, yeah, get some downtime as well, but two, you know, make sure you are enjoying uh, working here at the same time. It's a very good time to be a member of our online community at the moment because we've recently posted a host of new content. There's presentations from our events at Huddersfield Town, Everton and also Leeds. We've literally just um, posted a brand new webinar as well from Professor in Strength Conditioning at Salford University, Professor Paul Comfort. He's done a webinar for our community on weightlifting methods for sports performance. We also gave early access to the podcast with Tony, which I know a few of our members watched before anyone else. And then also, when you're a full member of our community, you get access to our WhatsApp group. And there's been some great discussions recently on hamstring return to play processes. We've we've had conversations on individual gym programs. And there's also been a few job opportunities coming up in in the group recently as well. Also, there's some exciting stuff coming as well. So that's not it. We've got a speed development webinar. We're going to have the presentations from our Dublin event. And also a coach health webinar series will be coming very soon as well. So if you're not already a member... The good news is if you go to footballfitfed.com, click the community tab and sign yourself up there, it will give you a 30-day free trial to see what it's all about. After your 30-day free trial, it will go on to a paid membership, which means you get access to our members WhatsApp group for only £4.99 per month. So what are you waiting for? Go and grab it. Go and grab the free trial. Go to footballfitfed.com. Join the community. We've got coaches from literally all around the world on the community now. So go and grab the free month, footballfitfed.com. Click the community tab, sign yourself there and get access to all the content that I've just mentioned and all the content coming very soon as well. Here's part two of the podcast with Jared Wallace. Yeah, that must be part of the culture because there's, there's definitely the opposite of that at some clubs as well, isn't there? Where it's like a badge of honour for you just being in the building for X amount of hours. Yeah. So it seems really important, obviously, that that coach health, avoiding burnout, having that balance between work and home or just work and, I suppose, freedom to go and do things is, is really important. So it sounds like a quite valuable lesson for people to take away. Yeah. Um, you know, my we we pride ourselves on our intern programme that we deliver here at the club in the academy as to what we offer um, and and outside of work, what what they are entitled to. If, if they, you know, my uh, Liam, who works with me in the P14s uh, and 16s, like, for example, I think his day's off on a Wednesday. Now, I'll say to, I'll say to him, that's your day off. You don't need to, you, you do not need to come in. Um, one, you know, it's, he can do what he wants and he can switch off from work. But two, I want him to learn that, okay, if I have a day off, that's it, tools down, it's, it's my day. Um and you know, if there is something that comes up under his role, I can pick that slack up for him because I'll, I'll I'm obviously full time. I'll be I'll be in. Um, yeah, I just think it that you know, it's great being in that intern position. But can can we you know teach them other skills as well as just wearing the MFF clothing? Yeah, brilliant. Right, let's get into the meat of the podcast because we were we wanted to dive into the, the women's programme and the project that yeah. you've got going on over there. And we've already spoke for however long we've not touched on it, <laughs> on it yet. So no to it now. So can you give just a little bit of an overview into what the programme was like when you first got over there and then maybe some of the first steps that you took? Yeah. Um, so the women's team was formed four years ago, I believe. Um, um so the, the fans in the club decided they wanted to create a women's team. Um, we got the chance to be put in Alsvenskan, the top, but the fans said, no, if we go in, we start from the bottom and we work our way up. So ultimately there, you've got like a five-year project where you go, okay, we're going to really work our way up. Um, I came into the, the team after year two. So there was some, uh, Lucas was in before me. I think he went through division four or division three with the team. And then I picked up, um, we won Division 2 last year, now we're competing in Division 1. And we're two leagues away from Al Svenskan. 
so if we get promoted this year, we'll be in like the championship uh, equivalent in England. Um, so the big hurdle for this women's team is uh, probably equality. It, uh, is trying to, you know, we're a first team environment and how can we get the girls up to equivalent of the men's? Now, that's not an easy fix. I completely understand that. Um, but it's something we as a multidisciplinary team, so the physio, the coaches, the uh, Maxime, the head coach and sporting director uh, are, are keen to get there. And we understand that will probably come as we get more elite. And secondly is um, the girls are obviously part-time working at external jobs and trying to be a semi-professional footballer for Malmo FF. So from a physical side of things, it's how can I load these girls um, with all these external white noise things going on is how can they perform optimally when they are coming from an eight hour day working job, we expect them to come to train for 90 minutes and then play a game at the weekend on top of that, trying to get a gym session in as well. So, um, you know, I'm currently, they do a, a six thirty gym session in the morning on a Wednesday and then, uh, for one group and then, uh, evening gym session for the girls who finish later. Um, they have one day off a week and we train three times a week. Um, and then a one game on on a Saturday. So um, there's been a lot of change since I came in, for sure. The big one this year was uh, the, the club invested in uh, GPS, which was uh, down to Mark. Uh, Mark sorted that out with uh, Catapult. Um, I guess I didn't really have any like historic physical testing data about the girls. So I was only going off like what I saw as to how they move as athletes. So that's something that has changed this year is I want to be really understand the whole athlete profile. How does this player move? How do they sprint? How do they jump? What are they, what's their movement like in the gym? Um, so that's something that we're uh, trying to, you know, increase this year. Um, so there's a lot of hurdles that we've slowly getting over and ticking off. Um and I think obviously naively is um, there's a little, been a lot of growth rapidly, and we the team is growing quicker than uh, the back backroom staff can grow. Yeah. So yeah. that's the uh, that's the I guess the first stage. It's okay if we're going to elite Ethan. What's the what's the thing we can change now, uh, and, and and catch up with that growth? Um, I, I think the the, the club has got like a long-term vision year on year if we hit targets uh where do we go um but yeah it's been it's been hard work definitely uh first time first role in women's football and again I, it was one of those things okay i've never worked with female athletes i don't know the dynamic um but i absolutely love it i absolutely enjoy working with that group of players um something on the the podcast with Tony that he mentioned is that coach athlete relationship. And that's something that I went in and went hard on straight away. Is I want to be able to have a relationship with these girls to deliver the sports science and S and C. What can I give them um, that they're not necessarily going to get or they've not had in the past. Um, but now, like I would say that, you know, with Mark's guidance, he's been great helping, you know, like transition, uh, you know, the both first team roles. As I always ask Mark, what do you do? in the men's team that I can take into the women's team. Um, whether that be like something last week, I asked him, you know, when we live track on the GPS, what parameters do you use just so I can have the same for the girls. Um, so I'm actively in the background trying to get us up to the, the men. So if the girls ask, Oh, why do we do this? I'll say, Oh, because the men's team do it. And instantly they go, okay, okay, that's cool. Um, so we're slowly getting there, but I'd say it's going to be more excited in, exciting from this year onwards is you know when we do push to the top levels um i was in a conference at the start of uh this year um with some um people from different uh clubs in sweden and some who are in women's team football and they were like yeah we're enjoying the success now until malmo are coming because we know they're coming so um that's quite good to know is that yeah. they know that we're coming um so yeah it's, it's 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 a great role it's really a great role you just you said about the vision before and i don't know whether you can disclose this or not so tell me if you can but in terms of that jump because obviously the players are part-time at the moment 
yeah. that jump to full time? Has that been discussed that this happens at this time, or is that is that just ongoing? Uh, I, I I think uh, I think it has been discussed with the you know the more senior figures in the football club. Um, like at the minute where we are, Division One, we can get by with the a similar and I'd say an upgraded program to what we delivered last year. I think the problem will arise, and I think that everybody's aware of this, is when we do make that jump to Elite Etam, um, and then obviously our Svenskan is, we, our whole shift should be towards the professional side um, because obviously it's more intense. when We are in a professional, more elite competitive league um, with teams that are really well established. So we are going to have to travel further, for example, um, if it's a team up into Stockholm, we're going to have to go the day before and then play the game and fly back. So again, you need that commitment from the girls to be there present. Um, so I, th I think we we know where we need to go. Uh, and I think we're just anticipating to see what happens this, this season. Um, but I think plans are in place. I think when this whole women's team project was designed by everybody, um, they had the vision as to, okay, we want to get to the top, but year on year, how do we look? So what, for example, what financial budget do we have year on year on year? Um, the, the higher the leagues we go. Um, we had a meeting last week and, you know, we kind of know, okay, what resources do we need when we do our, when we are in the elite league? Is, you know, staffing structure, more medical resources, more sports science. So I think the club know where we need to go. Um, and that's part of why, like, I took the job here at Malmo as Mark was like, it's your project and you can do whatever you want with it. And it's exciting because they will get to the top. Yeah. Yeah. That's brilliant. The, I suppose the other battle with it at that stage is obviously not, not your decision, um, but is the decision of players, isn't it? If they're on part-time salaries with either part-time or full-time jobs, it's that jump to suddenly go, right, we're going to go full-time professional football. And it's a big, Big obstacle, isn't it? And obviously, it's not something that you're going to have too much of an impact on on directly. I suppose you're just going to you you'll just be dealing with the people that are there at that time. But that's that's something that's real that's going to come up. You mentioned as well just before about the timing of those sessions. So you sort of skipped over it at half six in the morning, and then yeah, sessions. yeah. So that's yeah. something you've put in place because of the shift pattern of, of players. Yeah, yeah. Some things that you've put in place that you feel have worked. And there may be the opposite of that. Maybe some things that you've put in place that you've maybe had to change or amend. Yeah. So I remember, so I, I sat down uh, with the head coach when I first came in. And I, was like, I said, okay, I'm not going to change anything for a few months because the girls that, you know, they love routine. So I sat down and said, okay, what does the training week look like, et cetera? When do they have the gym session? The game mostly falls on a Saturday. Okay, perfect. That's our tactical periodization model let's let's not leave it um and then it got to a point where uh after a few months like the girls know who i am and, and and vice versa and i was like okay what's the optimal day for you so you kind of have to kind of like sit them down in a meeting and okay okay if we're training on monday we're training on tuesday and we train on thursday i can't change those days they're set in stone that's the day that we have the pitches booked okay right what does your day look like on a Wednesday? Okay, yeah, cool. I, I could do a gym session on a Wednesday. All right. Yeah, brilliant. What time works for everyone? And then there was a, okay, well, I don't finish till five, but I could do it really early in the morning. I was like, okay, right. Then we'll just do a split group. I'll do a 6.30 session. So you can do that before, uh, before, before work. And then one in the afternoon when you finish. Um, cool. And then we stuck with that for last year. Uh, Friday was off, Saturday game, Sunday off. Uh, that worked well, apart from me for getting out of bed at like half <laughs> thirty. Um, and then because of nothing's really changing in in the, I guess structure of where we are this year, apart from we have to travel more. Um, so at the start of the season, I sat down with with Maxime, uh, the head coach, and said, okay, what what's the best optimal week we're going to look at? Um, so. Something that I say would work well is Monday is normally like a top-up session uh, post the game. So they give the games on a Saturday. The girls who've played 90 minutes will hit the recovery. The 
girls who've played less will then take part in like top up training. And that's something that they'd never done before. Um, so that's something that works really well. And I feel then that that gym session on a Wednesday isn't compromised. Um, the Tuesday session, um, especially now with the GPS and live tracking, that's when we kind of push the girls. So there's times where, you know, I'm going over to Maxine with the iPad. He probably hates me for it. I'm like, yeah, okay, we, we need to <laughs> drop the load a bit. So the one thing that has definitely worked well this year, which struggled last year is communication. Um, we constantly communicate about the girls where they are physically and we take into account as we've spoken about the you know with their jobs or, or whatever it is um, we have we, this year we've signed quite a few exciting young players who are the, probably the future of the women's team so you know taking a girl who's 15 is I've got to take care of her growth and maturation I've got to understand her load on top of that She's at school. She has school football sessions. So if she's training twice a week, like or three times a week with school, three times with Malmö FF, gym session, like her load is spiked. So again, there's that, there's that kind of things. You know, the things that we probably struggled with, um, I think we will struggle with, is travel. The, the last three years, we've our games have been rarely out of like Skjorne, like outside of Malmö. So everything's only been 30 or 40 minutes away. This year, we're traveling three or four hours to some games. So how am I going to cope with that? Get rid of the, the saying, you know, the bus legs is when we get to the venue is instead of don't sit in the locker room, go for a walk on the pitch, do your prehab stuff. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff uh, is, is that we brought in this year that is working well so far. Um, and then, you know, to flip it, if we get promoted and we are in that elite league, it's just developing on that and making it better. And to give perspective, the whole of that Premier Division, that top league, are they all full time or professional? Yeah, as far as I believe, the Alsfenskan, the top league, they're all professional, and I think the the majority of the teams are up north near Stockholm. And people think Stockholm's quite. Like, but uh, it's quite like I don't know. North, it's not. It's like there's more to Sweden than Stockholm. Yeah. So, like you know, it's it's factoring all of that stuff is you know from a physical side. Like, are we physically ready to compete with these professional teams that have been in the Allsvenskan for years on years? Or what can we do when we do go professional? Does that mean I get to have two gym sessions a week to get them ready for that that jump? So these are all like. The questions I've got, but I can't get the answers yet until I know. <laughs> That's what I'm going to ask you about next is the future. And I know you're not going to have the exact answer, <laughs> but maybe some of the thought pathway along, like, this is my rough plan. And I know, I suppose it's the phrase planning in pencil, isn't it? That soon needs to yeah. be changed. But it also shows the exciting role that you're in, doesn't it? Because you've got the vision. The vision is to get into that league, but there's going to be so many intricacies and changes and and things to adapt along the way to get to that point so for you as a practitioner it must be it must be quite refreshing because you're not sitting in a position where it's sort of year on year we know the same sort of thing that we're dealing with you, you're having fresh new challenges coming at your left right and center yeah and I, I probably didn't think that when I took the role mm-hmm. um sometimes you know you might be a, a job for say two years before you think about moving on and, and pushing yourself I took this role and after like six months, I was like, this is bigger than I thought. And that's the exciting part. To answer to your question, like, yeah, um, and I've, I've said this to, to Mark is like, my vision is eventually, if I get asked by the club, let's say, and we are promoted, okay, Jared, we want you on the women's side and the girls' side full time, is then what does that like umbrella structure look like in from the sports science and medicine side? So we have Corinne, the, the, the physio I work with. So I, I see her. Yeah. You're head of medical. I will, I'll just mirror Mark and be head of the performance side. And then we drip feed down um, with our assistant practitioners in the respective fields. Um, obviously the girls, yeah. Full-time professional training the day. Uh, the gym sessions aren't compromised in terms of the early mornings, et cetera. Um, and we have a real good, um, like, network of support. You know, maybe I know Maxime's coming this year. He was assistant coach 
last year. He's now the full-time head coach uh, and assistant sporting director. So we are making moves in terms of the staff already, which is great to see. Um, and yeah, it's just, you know, I think the in the ideal world is I'm looking at the men's model roughly as to, okay, well, there's Mark, there's Jamie, Miguel, me, and then two interns. Okay, can we eventually get that across to the women's and girls' side? Absolutely. I think we we, we should look at trying to get the girls' side up. Um, you know, recently the, the boys' academy was offered seven stars, so the best academy in Sweden, and which we're really proud of. Um, and that's something that we'd like to hopefully get on the girls' side as well. So it's not, it's like, yes, it is the women's, but it's also drip feeding to the girls' academy. So yeah. I have the vision women's team and then also like a vision for the girls academy too um so it's kind of like a role that you didn't re i didn't really think about is like okay and there's actually a bigger picture than just my snc role here there's there's a lot more that's going to connect the dots apologies if you've you've mentioned this already but are you same site as the is everyone on the same site women's team men's team academy yeah so um so yeah, I, I, we're all based. So I'm in the stadium now. That's where all our offices are. And then uh, we all, uh, the men's team have a big hybrid pitch that they train on. And obviously they play their games in here. Um, the women's team, we train on the uh, artificial pitches and grass pitches as well. Um, and then we play our games in the old stadium. So we have that infrastructure around the first team environment. Um, there's a plans in place to eventually knock down the the old stadium and redevelop it all um, with like an indoor pitch, for example. Um, and then the girls' academy, they use the same gym as the boys' academy do and they train on the same pitches. So we are all on site. Yeah. Uh, but it's about just getting that level up a bit more on the on the female side. Well, the reason I ask is because you get that real insight, don't you? You obviously have a good relationship with, with Mark and Jamie, but for the players and other practitioners that are going to be working on the women's side to see what it looks like on the men's side and that structure, I think is really important, isn't it? And obviously if you're on different sites, you don't see people, it's probably just, just by word of mouth, isn't it? But from what you're doing and the way you work, they actually get to see it. Yeah, and I, you know, sometimes like, even like from a working side of things, I'll get an intern to come in and just, come in and you know deliver deliver the athletic development to the to the women's team just to yeah. get that experience to see what it's like and it, and it is there like you know it could be something like you know we do get looked after in, in the women's first team like and as the kit man like you know he delivers a new kit it will, it will, you know he makes things because we are the first team the women's and it's important that we 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 say that and i'm proud to say that we are a first team and we are Malmo ff and, and the responsibility that comes with that you know we, when we play our games in the old stadium Hopefully when the sun's shining and the blue skies, you know, you walk out and they play the Malmo FF music, you know, and it's on a nice grass pitch. So they, there is that side to it. And I think it's just now, okay, growing, you know, for example, the fan base and growing the MFF women's brand up now as we push for the professional uh, leagues. Brilliant, mate. It's exciting. It's exciting. It, is. it really is. The experiences like this, and it's important for the listeners to hear as well, because there's a lot of, opportunities out there and like like you've mentioned there's obviously going to be um opportunities coming up out there as well isn't there when when the staffing grows like i'm sure there's going to be opportunities that come about so it's really important for people to hear um i didn't mention this when we were talking about topics so i hope you're ready for this because we're going to work out we're going to work our way through some of the quick fire questions that oh we there we go <laughs> so i'm just going to drop these on you <laughs> here we go no that's fine put me on the spot <laughs> the first of which i ask is who have been some of the biggest influences on your career so far? Oh, uh, that is a good question. I would say uh, my lecturer at university, who I worked at Bradford City, so Neil Holmes, he was a huge, he really showed me the ropes. Um, and then the other one would be Phil Ripper, Notts County Physio. He's still there now. And the, that might be a wildcard suggestion there, but... I, I'm a big believer in working with the MDT and communicating and working with Phil and delivering what we delivered at Notts County during my time there is something I'm really proud of. And, you know, having that backing, I had his back, he had my back. If there was anything wrong, 
or anything working successfully. Um, and I think we'd really delivered uh, a really good program from when we both walked in. So yeah, those two to start with for sure. I'd have to say Mark Reed for giving me the job at Malmo. <laughs> <laughs> He'll like that one. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. What would you say your biggest strength is as a practitioner? Uh, I'd say my approachability. You know, I'm very approachable. Um, and that's something I think is a very good core skill to have, being approachable, being open to all the athletes you work with. And that will enable your coach and athlete relationship. So just being open-minded about everything and also taking into consideration, you know, there might be external things going on outside this athlete's uh, life that, you, that as a coach you don't know. But then having that in mind when you work with them, um, instead of just being stern-faced military sergeant, do this, do that, do that, is actually be approachable and just be yourself. Yeah. yeah great advice. I'm going to split this into two parts because I'm going to get your advice to a younger Jared. But the first one is pre-degree because you mentioned before about having an interest in sport, PE. There'll be a lot of of people in that sort of mindset. So if you were to speak to that person now in terms of career advice, what advice would you give them? I would say uh, don't be put off by a challenge or anything you think is difficult. And, you know, even when one door closes, another one opens and that goes for everything. You know, I've had loads of interviews where I was at clubs in England and, you know, for roles and I didn't get it or I was close to getting it. And it's not beating yourself up about any of the failures you get. It's okay. That door's shut. That may be not the right club for me. Okay. Go to the next one. And I say that's, that's a big, big thing to say to my younger self. It's not you, you know, okay. What's next? Brilliant. And then also, if we go to when you decide, right, sports science is where I'm going to go, you're looking for that first opportunity. You've maybe picked up a little bit of work experience beforehand, but you want that first paid role. What would be your advice to that person? Um, What what would I say there? Uh, I'd make sure a tedious job that I've learned is make sure one the CV and cover letter is up to date and it's out and it's standing you out from the crowd. Yeah. We touched on it. There's going to be thousands of students come out and going for like 50 jobs. So if you've got that overseas experience, if you're an approachable character when you do get the interview, is broadcast that, show your personality, show your coaching practices that you've learned. Um, you know, if you have got internships or if you are thinking about getting an intern, do it like you know, earn the respect of it, get the stripes, get into the industry, see whether you like it or not, and then use all those experiences to go for a paid role. Um, in terms of like going for a paid role, what what would I go for? You know, don't be put off by anything. Most people will see a job, let's say, and it's let's say it's for Manchester United. Oh, it's for Manchester United, Premier League. Okay, but you know, some people might look at the Notts County job that I went for and go, well, that's National League. But sometimes going for those lower jobs for a few years and developing and building, you can work your way up and you can get, you know, you can get to where you where you'd like to be. Yeah, that's great advice. The final one I ask is around CPD. So continued development. How do you approach that now? Not necessarily in terms of courses. I mean, you can mention them if there are any relevant, but just generally day to day, whether it's articles that you read websites podcasts like what's your approach yeah um so the main cpd that i'd say i personally take in is well our actual intern like program is we actually deliver twice a week into uh intern cpd to the to the guys and that's a great way of refreshing and learning like my knowledge as well and that can be, um, you know, if we, we help them with the NSCA accreditation, for example, we'll go through all those anatomy and physiology things that you learn when you're 18 <laughs> and you forget like conduction system of the heart. What, what was that again? So, you know, learning all of that side of things, um, you know, I deliver presentations as my colleague to, to the interns as well, like mechanical models or uh, growth and maturation. And it, it's a really nice, refreshing way. Uh, to go away, research, look at the latest journals uh, and then redevelop the presentations year on year on year. So we're constantly putting out really good uh, content to whoever comes into the club. Um, yeah, you know, I'll do a bit of reading now and then. But the main thing is for me is like 
the CPD that I deliver to the interns. Um, I think that's huge um, when you are an intern, but also when you are taking interns in as the practitioner is, okay, I need to know what I'm delivering, else that is not going to develop them at all. Um, so you, you, you learn your weaknesses that you might have forgotten about <laughs> in terms of your knowledge, let's say, um, as you design these pre uh, presentations. There's a quote in there somewhere, isn't there, about teaching things back and it being the best way of learning, but I don't know what it is. It's something. Yeah, something something like, yeah definitely like that. When you learn, you go, oh, yeah, what, what was I remember that, but yeah. I've done that since my PE exam or something yeah. like that. Yeah. No, it's a great point. And that's something that quite a few people have brought before that when you're in a department, there's no better way. Obviously, it's great for the interns, but it's not just them that are learning either, is it? Like, there's a, there's a lot of. Um... Yeah. Uh, we're quite lucky as well. Like, you know, if a conference comes up, you know, we'll go to that. Yeah. Um, you know, any partners that we ask, for example, we use Kitman Labs. They invited us to a conference in, in Copenhagen. So there's little events like that um that we've got there's a growth and maturation conference uh tomorrow up near stockholm that a few guys are going on so you know and then uh, a big thing i've is, is network there's loads of people that are going to go clubs from sweden um they're sending their practitioners to these you know meetings so i think that's a really good way as well i think i, I love networking i think that's a really good cpd tool is to network instead of like reading the latest journals go, go and network with another coach and if they share what they do, cool, cool, all right, take a little bit away and put that into your own practice. Brilliant. Jared, there's been some top stuff in that one. Really, really appreciate you coming in. Quality stuff. No, thank you so much for having me on, Ben. It's been great. No problem, mate. Just finish us up um, with where people can stay in touch if they want to reach out, if they want to ask questions, or even if they want to just keep up with what's going on out there at Malmo, yeah. where would you direct them? Yeah. Um, well, look on the uh, if you if LinkedIn is probably the best one. So obviously, search me, Mark, Jamie, um, or or Miguel in the academy. We're all on there. If, uh, I I think, for example, my job came up on LinkedIn. Mark quite uh, actively posts on there. Um, look on the Malmo uh, website or the Instagram page just to see what we're constantly doing. Um, but yeah, the main one is, is LinkedIn. I'm quite active on that anyway. So if there's anything that anybody needs to ask or I'm happy to share about, you know, my time in Sweden so far. Perfect. Well, let's schedule in another podcast when yeah. you're winning that top division. <laughs> I'll have um, a trophy sat here, Ben. <laughs> that's it. We'll, we'll have a discussion on what actually went on between now and then. Sounds great. No, I'd love to do that. That'd be brilliant. Brilliant, mate. Well, thanks again for coming on. I really appreciate you giving up the time. And um, yeah, we'll stay in touch. Yeah, thanks, Ben. Appreciate it. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the podcast. And a big thanks to Jared as well for coming on. I really appreciate his time. Go and give him a follow over on LinkedIn if you search his name, Jared Wallace. And then also over on Twitter, jwallace7. You can go and connect with him on Twitter. I know that from what he was talking about, there's going to be some opportunities coming up over at Malmo. So obviously, you want to be keeping an eye out if that is the sort of thing that you are looking for at the moment. Um, obviously, go and give Mark Reed a follow as well because I'm sure Mark will be pushing it when opportunities do come up. Plenty of takeaways on this one for me again. I think he mentioned towards the beginning about the degree not getting him ready, but obviously he thought that he was ready to be a sports scientist and then the, the real... Um, insight into actually what it took to work in a sports science role sunk in so i think that's important it's important for people that are in jobs as well to pass that on to students pass that experience on to students and give them experience and give give them recommendations on what they need to be doing in that time to go and get themselves as ready as possible the work life work life balance one was a really fascinating one for me and um, i know a lot of people have different views on this it seems like they've created a really good culture over in Malmo that work doesn't follow you back home. There are times where you're completely away from it, which I, which I completely get. But it is a constant battle for people, and I know it is. There's a lot of people in roles where there isn't a balance. I think it's sometimes all work or all life, and that's, that tends to be the way. I know I'm definitely guilty of that. Um, so I think it's a hard one. I don't necessarily think there's one way of doing it. Obviously, the guys at Malmo have set up a culture and a system that works for them and it sounds like it really fits with what 
Jared wants out of his out of his career, out of his job. Um, but I know that isn't necessarily going to be the case for everyone. So that's a really interesting one. It's something that we are probably going to be touching on in the next episode as well with a practitioner, a super experienced practitioner. And I will try and touch on that in that episode too. So make sure you look out for episode 231. The other one was about demoing everything. And this touched into the language barrier, which I thought was really great because I know we joked about Mark Reed being 40% um, in terms of his Swedish education and Swedish language. But that, let's face it, that's that's 40% a lot more than what a lot of other people, certainly me. So fair play to him on that one. But in all seriousness, around working with players that don't necessarily have your language as their first language, demoing things, showing people how to work. Obviously, you can still use language, but it needs to be really uh, precise and to the point. But people watching you move and watching what you want from a demonstration, they're going to take plenty from it. So I thought that was a really great point. And then the other thing is, and I think this this isn't just for young coaches, but what makes your CV stand out? Obviously, Jared discussed about his move to Australia. It doesn't have to be that you move to the other side of the world. But what makes it stand out? A lot of people now have got degrees. A lot of people got masters. A lot of people have even got experience at lower league clubs or even football league clubs going doing some shadowing work. What's the difference? I listened to a really great podcast recently with two entrepreneurs and they were talking about when you're reaching out to, they were talking about it in a business sense, when you reach out to a business person, an owner, there's always a skill that you can take to and help them out, even if it's something really simple. But there's going to be something that you can take to them that is actually beneficial. And you need to try and think about what that is. What is that that makes you stand out to other people? There will be something, it might take a little bit of reflection on your part, and then highlight it. Make sure it's a superpower. We talk about players' superpowers all the time. What is yours as a coach? And I think that's a really important one. Jared obviously said about his, um, the move that he made, I suppose the bravery, not everyone's going to be up for traveling to the other side of the world. That stood out for him. But what's yours? And I'll leave that with you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, I really appreciate, again, all the feedback from the last episode. And we've got some big ones coming as well over the next few too. A big thanks to Jared again for giving up his time and to the lads as well over at Malmo. Some brilliant work being done over there. So really great work and keep it up. And I'll be checking in to see what's going on out there and the progress they're making. Big thank you again for listening. And I will speak to you again next week in episode 231.